Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsteyer, and today we will be studying Duff 32, Lamed Bet, in the third chapter of Masechet Sukkah. The first Mishnah of the third parak talked about the different requirements for a valid lulav, and our discussion on Duff 32 Aleph continues this theme. We have now come to the part of the Mishnah that stated... Niktam Rosho, if its top was cut off. Let's look at the bottom of 31b. Rav Huna says that Niktam Rosho means a case in which the top of the lulav really was chopped off. That makes it indeed pasul, invalid. But if the top of the leaf simply split open, nistak, he says, the lulav is still kosher. Remember the continuation of our Mishnah from 29b. Nifredu alav kasher. If its leaves were separated, it is valid. Now, is nifredu the same as nistak? Our sugya brings a challenge against Rathuna. The hatanya. But wasn't it stated in the brighter? Lulav kafuf kavutz saduk akumdumilemagal pasul. A lulav that is bent, barbed, split or curved like a sickle is invalid. So now we have saduk, split, mentioned in the Brita, as yet another thing that would invalidate a lulav. So what about those three words, nistak, nifredu and saduk? Saduk obviously is related to nistak, and that means that we indeed have a Brita that contradicts Ravuna. But let me digress for one moment to something else that caught my attention. If you look, the first word on 32 Aleph is kavutz. And if you see how it is spelled on the page, kuf, vav, vav, tzadi. Spelled that way, it means barbed. Rashi is trying hard to explain what a barbed lulav looks like. And to be honest, I don't really follow his explanation. Now, other commentaries, like the Rif and the Tosafot, say it should read Kaf Vav Vav Tzadi. It then means shriveled. Well, a shriveled lulav makes more sense. Interestingly, the Rif's version of this Baraita says both Kavutz with a Kuf as well as a Kaf. The Shulchan Aruch couldn't decide which lulav is Pasul, and invalidated both a barbed lulav as well as a shriveled lulav. But where does that discrepancy come from? Why do the Rif and the Tosafot think that maybe it, w- it should have been spelled with a kaf instead of a kuf? I couldn't resist and looked at some man- manuscripts, and it was interesting to see that some versions do not mention anything about kavutz at all, but I also found one manuscript Hebraica 134 from the Vatican Library that clearly spells kavutz with a kaf. And then the meaning is very simple. 
a shriveled lulav is pasul. Now here it seems that if at least the Riff and the Tosafot were familiar with a version of this Gemara that had a different spelling of the word. And just later on, at one point, it became, in the Vilna edition, it became established to spell Kavutz with a Kuf. And that is what we still have today. Now let's return to the discussion with Rav Huna, whose opinion just got challenged through this Breitner. And according to it, a split Lulav is Pasul. So how can Rav Huna say that it is kasher? Unless Nistak and Nifredu mean different things. Now let's picture the leaves of the lulav. Each leaf that grows left and right from the spine is actually folded lengthwise. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But if you would tear off a leaf from your lulav, you can then afterwards split it again lengthwise because it is like a twin leaf. Now we know from the Mishnah that Nifretzu alav, it leaves torn off, makes a lulav pasul. We know that Nifredu and Nistak cannot mean Nifretzu because this is a different category. Now Rav Papa comes to illustrate the difference. Nifretzu means that the leaves had been torn off and then tied together so it looks like a broom. But a lulav that is simply nifredu, spread, is valid. The leaves are attached to the spine, but are spread out. That's also how Rashi explains it. But we still don't know about nistak, split. A tashma is brought in and attempt to resolve our problem. Now in the Talmud, the, form the formula tashma, come and learn, is invoked by the rabbis when summoning an earlier source to prove a point, to answer a question, or to ask a new one. Now here it comes. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. If the twin leaf was removed, the lulav is pasul. Is it then not logical to assume that the same applies if the twin leaf is split open? Lo, nit lashani. No, because removal is different. How is it different? If you tear off a leaf from the lulav, then the lulav is actually chaser, it is lacking, it is deficient. But we are not at the end yet, because the Gemara throws a slightly different version of the same tashma at us. But here Rabbi Yochanan's statement is that a twin leaf that is split is considered as if it was torn off and the lulav is invalid. Now the Shulchan Aruch in Ola Chaim 645.3 says that if the majority of the leaves are split, the lulav is pasul. This opinion follows the Rambam and the Rif. Now the Rama, who is the authority for Ashkenazim, who is commentating on the Shulchan Aruch, he rules instead that if the middle twin leaf of the lulav is split, the lulav is pasul. So this constitutes a more stringent opinion than that of the Mechaba. Just to remind you, the Mechaba is Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch. Now the discussion then moves on to determine what is meant with Kapot Tmarim. Because depending on how you spell it, and whether you apply the singular or the plural, it changes meaning from a date branch, or something that is tied up, or even a cluster of dates. 
Now, once the Gemara has established that indeed only a date branch can be used as a lulav, it then asks what types of date palms qualify, and, the, and especially whether something called the palms of the Iron Mountains can be used. But let's return to the Gemara and some more practical halacha. This might be useful next Sukkot when you are out and about to buy your Arba Minim. The Mishnah ends with stating that a lulav that has the length of three tfachim is kosher to use. We also know that the minimum required length of the Hadas and the Arava is three tfachim. And Rabbi Yehuda says that therefore the lulav needs to be four tfachim so that it, so that it is one tefach longer than the Hadas. The commentators are in agreement that there is indeed no maximum length, but no matter what, the lulav always needs to be at least one tefach longer than the hadas and the arava. Why? Because the lulav needs to be waved, and if the minim are of equal length and are tied together, the lulav couldn't be waved properly. So the next lulav you buy, make sure that the palm branch spine is at least one tefach longer than the hadas, and then you are in the clear. How long is a tefach? It's approximately four itzbaim. That wasn't helpful? Okay. Depending which authority you consult, a tefach is somewhere between 9 cm and 10 cm, or for the non-metric folks out there, approximately 3.5 to 4 inches. An itzba in turn is somewhere between 2 and 2.5 cm, or something slightly less than an inch or up to approximately 1 inch. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.